Welcome again to the Shaw Vineyard Sermon Podcast. I'm Dan, great to have your company again. If someone sent this link to you, you can find more episodes of this podcast at our website, svc.org.nz. Joining me today, who you're going to hear from in just a little bit, is our senior pastor, Vic Francis. Hello, hello. Hello, Dan. So uh, the topic on today's podcast, uh, from the message that you preached on Sunday, free indeed, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it is the day before or the day of Anzac Day here in New Zealand and in Australia as well. So this was a new thing for you to do, though, an Anzac Day-themed kind of message. Tell us about that. Yes, it was. I've been pastoring for a long time, 25 years, and preaching for longer than that, and never spoken on Anzac Day before, which seems unusual. Anzac Day, of course, a big day in New Zealand uh, history, really sort of respectfully um, thinking of those who have died on battlefields 100 years, of course, since the end of the First World War. And so uh, I had a growing sense, really, in the couple of weeks leading up to Anzac Day that we we have both a, a wonderful heritage of understanding the sacrifice of what Jesus did at Easter and for New Zealanders and Australians, uh, um, recognising the great sacrifices that have been made on battlefields for us to make us free, free indeed, as Jesus said. And and so I guess my thesis going into this message was what does it mean to be free indeed? How can we uh, be respectful? How can we make the most of what has been laid on for us, Jesus at the cross, soldiers at Gallipoli. Um, I even tap in a little bit to our own parents and family, those who have been sacrificial in our lives. Uh, They've done that, and with that perhaps comes some responsibility for us to live a worthy life, free indeed. Very good. Well, you are going to enjoy this episode of the Shaw Vineyard Sermon podcast. Without any further ado, here is Vic. Enjoy the podcast. So Jesus said famously, and you you will have probably heard the scripture, that if the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Free indeed seems like an incredible thing to consider and an idea to, to work with, particularly apt, I think, as a message this week. And when we embark on that week where, as New Zealanders, we remember our fallen soldiers, often in very remote countries with exotic-sounding names, but with a terrible story and, and in some deep and in a way, um, collectively as a nation, maybe more so for some individuals than others, but we reflect on the freedom that they have won for us. Uh, we have an increasingly sec- secular society. We're probably very aware of that as we live and, and this honouring of the fallen has taken on almost a religious significance, arguably maybe almost replacing uh, to some degree that, that, um, that inner sense that we have sometimes of needing to know something bigger, something beyond who and what we are. There's a reverence, I think, even over the last 20 or 30 years, historians and, and social commentators are amazed that, that the whole Anzac thing is growing rather than decreasing increasing as even as our as our soldiers die and, and are no longer around to inspire us. And, and so uh, uh, Gallipoli, for example, or the battlefields of Western Europe have become a, a must-see go-to for, for not only people of my age who might have a bit of a connection perhaps with parents or grandparents, but people of my children's age and, and beyond to go and be there and to see there and to, to be aware of, of, of what has happened um, as our... Um, Achingly, when you think about it, young men and women have gone off to 
to war and many who haven't come back and suffered and seen incredible things. At the end of this year, as you may be aware, it is uh, 100 years since the end of the First World War. Um, and so at 11 a.m. On the, at the 11th hour, on the 11th day of the 11th month, November the 11th, uh, 1918, the guns famously, it was said, fell silent. And it's commonly said of New Zealand that our nationhood was fashioned in those four years, five years of that war, um, that, um, that we went from being a colony really of, of England, of Great Britain, to being a nation of our own. And along with that came the, the freedoms that we have and also, of course, the responsibilities that you have as being an independent nation along the way. And as we would reflect on that, I think most of us would reflect, it's good to be a New Zealander. It's good to live in New Zealand. It's good to be part of this country that has been shaped in lots of ways, not only by war, but nevertheless by war in lots of ways as well. And the Anzacs, the Australia and New Zealand Army Corps, the Anzacs are a, a, a big part of our story. So 100 years ago, uh, we reflect, and depressingly often since then, young New Zealanders have gone and fought for our freedom. As Christians, as believers, we also reflect, don't we, of 2,000 years ago, uh, another battlefield, a battle between uh, good and evil, we would probably say, a battle between life and death was taking place. And we would recognise another freedom was won for us, freedom from sin, um, freedom for eternity, also won in bloody style, won on a cross, won at great sacrifice, won um, despite the fact that we uh, didn't deserve it or weren't there um, really to recognise it at the time. Uh, I love the scripture that, um, that uh, John talks about is, this is how I know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And, and, and it sort of, it seems to tie in. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So this month, we've had two reasons to celebrate freedom. Easter, which we celebrated uh, over that first weekend of April, and then Anzac Day. And I was thinking about Anzac Day because although we are in New Zealand and it's very appropriate to be talking Anzac, I also recognise that we're still very much an immigrant country, aren't we? And I know that there are people in our congregations who, in our, who have served um, in other uh, military fields, even served on battlefields, you know, within our congregation. And, and I'm not sure what Anzac means to you, but we respect you and we, and we, and we know that that has cost you something. And, and it felt appropriate to mention that, not just with our own history and knowledge. And as I've thought of these freedoms, these freedoms that are won from Christ and the freedom won for our soldiers, I've been thinking a lot of the responsibility that that gives to those who are by by nature from those sacrifices free. Us, we are free because of what Jesus has done and we're free for what our soldiers have done. There's a great scene in Saving Private Ryan and it comes right at the beginning, but it, but it really is a reflection of the end. And um, you know, this is not a spoiler if you haven't seen it because it is 20 years old, Saving Private Ryan. Can you believe that? 1998. So if you haven't seen it, you're never gonna see it. But anyway, at the beginning of the thing, Private Ryan, who gets saved, so there you go. So there's the end of the story, he, he gets saved. He is an old man and he's visiting the, the, the battlefield, the, the cemeteries in Western, in Western Europe and he sees the grave, I guess, of the guy who saved him and died to save him, I just can't remember. And he breaks down in tears, sort of hunches over the tombstone, if I remember rightly, and he says to his wife, he says, um, tell me that I've lived a good life. Tell me that I'm a good man. And it seems to me that there is something inside us, there's something innate in us 
um, to live worthy of those who have provided us our freedom. For us as Christians and, and with a sense of Jesus and the freedom that He's given us to live worthy of that sacrifice. For us as New Zealanders or us um, as free people in a political and a social sense and a national sense to live worthy of the soldiers who have gone before. I think a lot of us would feel a sense of uh, responsibility to live worthy of the freedom that our parents have given us and the sacrifices that have been made in our name. I think that something of this is picked up in Galatians 5, which says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Freedom hard won can be lost. Freedom hard won can be not appropriated in the way that was given so generously and so spectacularly. And so we must, we must strive to do it. And so, so I've been thinking this week about how do you live free indeed as Jesus called us or promised us that he would. How do we stand firm? And so, so what I'm going to share this morning, are, it's, not a, it's not a complete theological sermon, but it's a, a collection of some of the thoughts that I feel like God has, has been working with me during this week and maybe even since Easter. And, and, and maybe it's a quest, these are questions that you could be asking yourselves even this week. You might come up with some different answers, but it would be an amazing process of living free indeed. And so the first thing that I really think about is we are free to be grateful. And I, I, it's an odd point, I think, but it's an incredible thing to be grateful for the freedom that has come. This is um, uh, Victory in Europe Day at, um, outside the Auckland Town Hall. You might recognise that building. Still there today, although obviously the street looks very different. May the 8th, was it 1945, uh, Victory in Europe. Victory over Japan came later. Um, but there, uh, you know, kind of people took to the street. Um, my my father, who was 17 at the end of the war and was training to go to war, may well be in that photo because he was in Aucklanders. There is something about freedom. There is something about victory that brings, brings you out, brings you out on the street maybe, brings you out to celebrate, to, 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 to feel like the pressure, feel like the, the difficulties have gone. There's a gratitude spills out all over the place when you recognise and re, real, realise that you're free. I think gratitude is a very underestimated quality. I wonder whether gratitude's almost for us today might need to be almost a discipline that we do. You know, I'm grateful because, because it's so easy, it seems, in our, in our humanness to be, I, I, ungrateful would be the wrong word, but, but, but a sense of, of, of still focusing on the things that we don't have rather than the things that we do have. It's so easy to forget the great freedoms that we have, the great country that we live in, and that our, that our faith offers in terms of this freedom from eternity, freedom from sin, freedom to hope, freedom to live, freedom to, to explore, freedom to anticipate a future. These are things that have been hard won. How lucky Am I? How, how lucky are we? How grateful am I or how grateful should I be? I remember going um, and seeing uh, a spiritual director quite a few years ago, and I'm not sure how the conversation went, but I, but I shared with her and I said to her, you know, I, I sometimes feel guilty because I've got it so good. And she said, oh, well, you know, kind of, you know, um, speak, speak some more. And, and she said, and I said, well, you know, kind of, I, I feel like I've got, I've got a good marriage. I've got a good family. You know, I've, I've had advantages in my life. And, you know, I just recognize that so many other people don't have the advantages that I've, I've had. And she said, and she said, can't you just be grateful? 
And it was just a really telling thing for me. You know, kind of, sure, it's, um, it's, uh, I have permission to, to, in my gratitude to, to, to have compassion for those who don't have what I have. But I, I've forever since then been aware of the sense of thank you, God. Thank you for those who have provided for me, be it my parents, be it soldiers a hundred years ago, be it Jesus on the cross, of providing the freedom I have. I think we feel free or should feel free to be grateful. I think we should feel free to live well. Uh, John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy, but I have come to give you abundant life. You know, we realise as we've been talking about freedom, our freedom often comes at great expense to someone else and someone else who might not be here. You might be aware of the, of the, I don't know, the collection of poems that came out of the First World War in particular from um, what are often known as the war poets. So people like Siegfried Sassoon and um, Wilfred Owen um, and many others wrote them out of the trenches of of Europe from 1914 to 1918. The most famous of those poems is a poem called In Flanders Fields. And In Flanders Fields goes like this. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place, and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly, scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead, short days ago, we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up your quarrel with the foe, to you from falling hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high, If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. It's a powerful, powerful sense of the sacrifice that's been made. It was written by this guy, Canadian Lieutenant Colonel Medic, John McRae. John McRae buried a a member of his company, uh, and he wrote this about three days later in May 1915. John McRae died almost inevitably, isn't it, of pneumonia in January 1918 towards the end of the war. Um, he was a victim of this thing and he's, he's, he's symbolised so strongly and powerfully some of the things that, um, that have been through, free to live well. You know, I often think about, and I, I think I even spoke about it on Easter um, Sunday, about the change in the disciples that took place after Jesus had died for them. 10 disciples who had abandoned Jesus, denied Jesus, all of the things that you read about in the lead up, you know, kind of John stayed with them um, and, and Judas obviously betrayed him. 10 disciples who were missing in action, if you like, and, and who, who um, Jesus restored and brought back. And they were different people when they recognised or when they came into the encounter of the sacrifice that Jesus had made for them. And so Peter, for example, just changes from someone who would deny to somebody who would die. And all of the disciples would suffer and feel the cost of following Jesus and knowing this Jesus who would die for him. So they would suffer rejection. They would suffer imprisonment. They would suffer death itself. And so living well is something that we're called to do, something that's important for us to know. Living well isn't a license to live at the expense of others. Living well isn't a license to to live immorally or in some way indecently. It's not a license to live um, selfishly. In fact, Paul picks this up in Romans when he says in Romans 6.15, shall we sin? Uh, because we are not under the law, but under grace. You know, here's a great idea. We've got grace, we've got freedom, we've got everything that Jesus has done. Shall we sin? You know, kind of that, that seems like a good idea. And he says, by no means, 
By no means would we do that. And a few verses later, he says, you have been set free from sin and you've become slaves to righteousness. Go and live right. You know, you've been set free from these things that would bedevil you, if you like. Now go and live right. Go and live righteous. Go and live the way that would be honouring to the freedom that you have been given. If you, go to, um, if you go to an Anzac Day service on Wednesday, is Anzac Day, of course. If you go to an Anzac Day service, that you will hear um, a piece of, is it poetry? I'm not sure, called The Ode. Um, it's, it's just how anybody can hear that without a tear, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It's often um, together with the last post by, by a bugler. But, but the ode goes this, They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. How do we remember them? We remember them. How do we remember him? We remember them by living well, by living in the freedom and in the way that it's been claimed um, for us along the way. And I think an extension of that is, therefore we need to feel free to make a difference. You know, I imagine when you're at war, all you can do is to survive today. When you're at war, it's like there, there isn't a lot of scope to, to even live well, let alone to make any difference apart from the little part that you're playing. You know, the phrase war is hell, it was said by a general, General William Sherman in the American Civil War, war is hell, probably sums up pretty much of something that we know. It's helpful to go back to some of those stats. They blur over a bit. In um, Gallipoli, 2,779 New Zealanders died. That's one in six who landed. Um, many of them were the age, of, not much older, of, of the boys who are sitting at the back there now. You know, kind of for me, I have two 30-year-olds, a 27-year-old and a 23-year-old. They're almost too old, you know, in the context of some of those campaigns. So they, you know, um, uh, and, and of course the five out of six, you might think, well, that's not a bad thing. You know, five out of six got off, yeah, but they were damaged, weren't they? You know, kind of they, they weren't, it wasn't like they, they survived unscathed, you know, either, you know, kind of mental health or, or physical health. And of course, a lot of them then went into, you know, Belgium and France and died in Flanders and places like that. You know, in uh, going, going on, on Flanders at Bellevue Spur and Passchendaele um, on January, uh, on October the 12th, 1917, in the, in the attack on, on Bellevue Spur, 843 New Zealanders died in the morning. Um, that's the worst day of, of the war, of any war for New Zealanders, a country of less than a million people, and nearly a thousand New, Zealand, New Zealanders died that, that single morning. You know, that's um, nearly four Erebuses, for those who know some uh, other tragedies of our history. Um, you know, it would be, you know, 30 buses full of our, of our young men and women out of, a, say, a university age or something like that, just die in one day. You know, kind of you can't, when you're, um, um, uh, war had changed, you know, even in those 60-odd years, you know, that, that, um, that took place sort of before that. Um, Alfred Lord Tennyson back in uh, the Crimean War in 1854 wrote a rousing uh, charge of the Light Brigade. Have you ever heard this? Half a league, half a league, half a league onward. If you've, uh, if you've known that story, rode the 600. Uh, forward the Light Brigade, charged for the guns, he said, into the valley of death, 
rode the 600. It was a complete and utter shambles, a complete carnage. You know, 660 ran in, uh, rode in, sorry, to face the Russian guns in the Crimea, and, and over half of them never came back. It was a military disaster. And yet even then we were able, at that point, it was able to be glorified in a sense by the charge of the Light Brigade, which was written just three, three weeks after that campaign. But by the end of the war, we knew that it wasn't going to be like that at all and that war wasn't like that. And so when you're at war, it's a difficult thing to find a way to survive, even for today. You know, when you're hungry, you know, it's a difficult thing to do anything but struggle for the next meal, I imagine. I mean, I wouldn't know, to be honest. I'm blessed. I've never been hungry, you know, particularly. When you're locked in sin, you're cannon fodder for the devil. You're, you're, you're bound and, you're, and, and, you're, and you're, um, uh, there is no way that you can break out of that. But we're free. We're free. We're not at war. We're not hungry. We're not locked in sin. In fact, um, Paul would say in Colossians, and you who were dead, God made alive together with him. This is who and what we are. He goes on, it's just a magnificent, it's more of an Easter scripture. He forgave us our sins, cancelled the written code with its regulations. That was, against, that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is who we are. This is who we or what we have received. And so when you're free, you're free to make a difference, aren't you? You're free to tell others of the freedom that's been won. Why wouldn't you tell them of the freedom that they can know by knowing this Jesus or by knowing, you know, kind of the sacrifices made on the battlefield? We're free to ensure that those who aren't free have freedom. You know, not everybody is free, even in New Zealand, to be free the way we are. We're free to ensure that future generations have the same freedom and more that we have. That's responsibility. That's living free, free to make a difference. You know, it seems like each generation has its own battles, doesn't it? So for our parents, maybe, and our grandparents and our great-grandparents, depending on our age, the, 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 the foe was clear. It was the Germans or the Italians or the Japanese. You know, it was in the context of this incredible conflagration that's happening all around the world. For us, who is our enemy? It's, it's harder to tell. But, you know, this week, if you've been reading the media at all, you know, kind of there's been so much on human trafficking, for example, even in New Zealand. I mean, I mean there's a battle to win. I think the battle for our planet's probably only, we're just only just discovering that we're in that battle. And so there are battles that we will need to win out of our freedom because we have that opportunity to do so. Jesus said this, or Isaiah said this, and then Jesus read it, but I think this is prophetically a scripture for us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, he said, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And so that's what he had for himself. That's what he, what he declared for himself. And then from there, what is he saying to us? The freedom that we have is to proclaim freedom for those who go beyond. You know, we all know great stories, Schindler's List and things like this. There's a, there's a, a, a British hero who's sort of only come to the fore, you know, really a long time since the war. His name's Nicholas Winton. 
Um, Nicholas Winton was, um, he was actually going on a skiing holiday in Europe in, in 1938 and he got a call from a friend of his who was in Prague who was beginning to help Jewish children who were already being persecuted and, and, and rounded up into concentration camps before the war itself started. And so Nicholas Winton went there and when he was there, he set up a little organisation that was connecting Jewish children with British families back home. Um, he was uh, instrumental in, in saving uh, 669 Jewish children in that time. Nobody ever knew about it for 50 years until his wife found his diaries or found the lists of the children that he had managed to save. There is a, there's just a great video clip that I want to show you. It's sort of it's a n n not a dry eye in the place type video clip. It's a little bit old um, and it's a little bit, um, you know, kind of um, sketchy. But I think you're going to love this little story of Nicholas Winton. All the letters. But back here is the list of all the children. This is Vera Diamant, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful. So terribly, terribly touching. Can I ask, is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? If so, could you stand up, please? He was 29 years old when he did it. He lived to 106. He died in 2015. He, and Sir Nicholas Winton, he became. You know, most of, uh, you know, his great regret was that he didn't get out more, which is a very Schindler thing as well, isn't it, for those who have seen that. And, um, but there, was a, there are lives that are living free because of the sacrifice of someone else. It is, it is a noble thing. It is a noble thing to sacrifice. It is a noble thing to live on behalf of others so that others may benefit. It is a wonderful thing to be free, to make a difference. I, I love the scripture um, from 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God and respect the government. It's sort of one of those sort of ends of a, ends of a list type thing. But the sense of when we live free, it's going to change the way that we do life. You're with the Shaw Vineyard Sermon Podcast, and that is Vic from Sunday, the message free indeed. Like I said before, if you want to get more from this podcast, you can go to our website, svc.org.nz slash sermons, and you can download past episodes, a whole bunch of great content there for you to have a look at. Um, before we go on too much further, Vic, the video at the end of that, quite a popular video, so people may well have seen it, but in case they haven't, there is a big moment in there that people would have reacted to watching it and you could kind of hear it as it as it plays out in the podcast but it's quite a visual thing so you may just need to sort of catch people up who haven't seen the video the significance of sort of the end part of that video there 
Yes, just this very, and, and I hadn't seen it before. So, um, very powerful moment of a man who saved Jewish children just before the Second World War, Nicholas Winton, um, and he was—he never never told anyone. His wife found fifty years later found his diaries with all the names of these six hundred and sixty-nine children that he saved, and uh, they managed in this um, live TV program to stack the theatre full of these children without him knowing. And there's this very powerful moment of the uh, uh, interviewer saying, is there anybody here, and obviously they all knew, is there anybody here who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? And um, everybody, uh, just in, a, in, a, in silence, stands. And Nicholas Winton is, is just completely overwhelmed by it, an old man by now. Um, but a, but a, an incredible story of somebody as a 29-year-old who um, risked his own freedom, sacrifice again, going back to the whole free indeed thing for these people. And it, it's just such a, a graphic example of people who are living because somebody else has chosen to make a difference. And then, of course, you know, in the context of our free indeed sermon, uh, how do you then go and live when you know that somebody has made that sacrifice for you? And so if someone's listening to this now and they they themselves would, would say, I, I don't think I am living free, free indeed, what is your message to them? What is a, a practical thing that I could change about how I'm living or, or thought that I could change that says, now that I know that I have been made free, how do I live that out? What would you say to them? Your thing comes to mind from my message. One of those points in the message is the whole thing of gratitude. That's something that every one of us could do this instant. Uh, it is so easy for us to think of what we don't have rather than what we do have. And so often we have so much compared with so many other people in the world today and certainly uh, those who uh, fought and died for us, for example. And so, so to deliberately engage in gratitude for the things that I have, um, the things that God has given me, the things that have been won for me by other people, I just think it could change our world, you know, maybe in a small way, maybe in a maybe in an amazing, um, huge way, just by making gratitude something that's part of our daily rhythm, daily routine, um, our daily moment right here and now. That's that's so awesome, and I highly recommend if you have enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe and, and do feel free to, to share it with others and to let us know how you've been impacted uh, by what you've heard. We'd love to hear from you throughout the week. You can email me anytime, dg at svc.org.nz, or reach out through social media. And, and hey, maybe your great next step is to actually join us live on a Sunday. If you live in Auckland or you live on the North Shore, uh, we meet twice a Sunday, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. at 200. 52 Forestville Road. We'd love to meet you in person. Again, email me in advance so that we can expect you. We know that you're coming. DG at svc.org.nz. I thought it would be fitting, Vic, to uh, to end the sermon with the prayer that you prayed to close out the message and to close out the service from Sunday as we head into Anzac Day, which, like I said before, depending on when you're listening to this, has either just been or is about to happen or is happening currently. So um, would you pray for us to wrap out the podcast? I certainly will. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to be free indeed, free to be grateful, free to live well, and free to make a difference. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to wrestle with those things, uh, to, to uh, um, employ them in our lives, um, to grow in them, and 
for that to take us forward. And I pray too, Lord, that we would find ways of genuinely being able to be sacrificial ourselves so that those who follow us, our children, our children's children, future generations, would also find that the way has been laid for them as we discover that it has been laid for us. So watch over us anywhere in the world that we're listening to this, I pray, anywhere in New Zealand, any person in any situation of life, we ask that you'd watch over us and and, and go with us in this thought, free indeed. Mm